Oh, hey, I'm so glad that you found us. My name's Michael, and I get to be the pastor at Shepherd's Community United Methodist Church in Lakeland, Florida. You're listening to the It's Better When You're Here podcast, where every week we upload the messages that are preached at our church every Sunday. We hope by listening to this, uh, you feel safe, heard, and loved by the God that created you. We hope this message makes an impact in your life. If listening to this makes a difference, reach out to us and connect with us either on social media or on our website, shepherdsumc.com. All right, here's the message. Friends, when we take stock of what truly matters, we see that we have been given more than enough. We're continuing our series called Walk by Faith, where we're looking at what it actually means to practice our faith, what it really means to put our faith into action. We're looking at what it means to not just say that we believe in God, but to actually do something about it, to to work out that faith, to make that faith real. Last week, if you came to Modern Worship, you saw that our community grew by one, one uh, one one-year-old who super didn't like me at all, really hated my guts. He's my nephew. I'm sure it'll work out. I've got plenty of time for him to like me more, but it was a beautiful little baptism. I was so glad that we were able to do that. I'm so glad that the power of baptism isn't because of me, because I, I think if I had stood over there, he still wouldn't have enjoyed it and used a squirt gun. But uh, to be able to welcome in Benjamin into this family and, and, and make him be a part of, of God's universal church is such a wonderful blessing. And we talked about community, right? We celebrated All Saints and we celebrated what it means to be a part of the church triumphant here on earth. It's so wonderful and such a blessing uh, to be able to do that. Putting our faith into action is something that a lot of Christians don't do. We forget sometimes that when we accept Jesus, when we become a part of a church, when we say we're going to follow God, that's not the ending of our story, but rather the beginning of an adventure. Our community needs folks growing so that we can change the world, and we need to change so that we can become more like Christ. The thing that I'm going to say a lot today, the first thing you can write in your bulletin, the thing I hope gets stuck in your head is this. When we remove what we want, then we can more clearly see what we need. When we remove what we want, then we can more clearly see what we need. Our passage this morning comes from Ezra. Ezra. You don't hear that book of the Bible said very often. There's a reason, friends. Not a page turner. It is a lot of names. It's a lot of consonants. But I think we have something great that we can learn from Ezra chapter 8, verses 21 through 23. Hear the word of the Lord. Then I called for a fast there at the Ahava River so that we might submit before our God and ask of him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our possessions. I had been ashamed to ask the king for a group of soldiers and cavalry to help us in facing enemies on the way, because we had told the king the power of God favors all who seek him, but his fierce wrath is against all who abandon him. So we fasted and prayed to our God for this. And he responded, to us. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Woo! So Ezra. Ezra is a passage, is a story that we'll talk more about in just a little bit. But the idea of fasting. Fasting is something that we don't talk about in the Christian church very much. 
It's something that we haven't explored very much here at Shepherds. But fasting is removing something from our lives to help us see our need for God. The most common fast that you'll hear about is food. How many of you have ever practiced a fast for Lent? Anyone remember Lent? I had a former church member that said he gave up Brussels sprouts every year for Lent. Said he's had a perfect record. Never once had a Brussels sprout during Lent. He's a very holy man. Lent is a time where we as Christians, we practice fasting to remind ourselves of Christ's fast. And so typically you'll fast from fun stuff like food or chocolate or coffee or soda. But there are other fasts as well. You can fast from social media, from television, from sex, from alcohol, from water even for a very short amount of time. These fasts allow us to identify the things in our life that are easy, that are comforting, and remove those things as a spiritual practice. Fasting allows us then to remove the comforts of what is easiest in order to help us see strength, our strength, God's strength, our church's strength. In the morning, if I wake up and I don't have a cup of coffee, for one day, I don't really see my own strength. In fact, I see a lot of weakness. I've been brought to my knees by tiny little beans soaked in water, right? But as the days continue on, as I find myself finding new ways of carrying on, I find that I have a little bit more strength. I find myself praying to God. You want me to pray a lot? Take away my coffee. Oh, sweet and gentle Jesus, please help my head stop hurting, right? Anyone? Am I the only one? Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Fasting gives us a chance to see the strength of God, our church, and ourselves. When we remove what we want, then we can more clearly see what we need. So why do we fast? Well, one of the reasons why we fast is to remember the role of our bodies in our faith. You see, when Christ came to save us, Christ didn't just come to save our souls or our minds or our thoughts, but rather our whole selves. And so when we fast, we can feel the work of righteousness within our own bodies. Without a regular fast, how can we feel the power of God's work in our lives? Without abstaining from things that are easy, comfortable, or nice, wonderful, my notes say anything fun. If we don't remove those things from us, how can we not feel the presence of God. You see, fasting helps us feel the wide boundaries of God's great love for us. Friends, it might sound silly to say, but isn't it amazing that God loves us beyond the boundaries of how good fried chicken is? Isn't it wonderful to understand that, that God's love for us reaches beyond the boundaries of how good we feel when we get a bunch of likes on a social media post. God loves us even beyond those boundaries. You see, when we remove what we want, then we can more clearly see what we need. So the book of Ezra. Ezra is, it's a two-part series. One, book one is Ezra. The second book is Nehemiah. It's the story of the people of Israel leaving Babylon, which is in modern-day Iraq, and walking to Palestine to retake Jerusalem. It's 
Ezra is the second Moses. You know the story of Moses? Moses takes the people of Israel out of Egypt, says, let my people go. Pharaoh needs a couple plagues to think about it, and then finally lets their people go. In Babylon, it's much easier. Ezra says, let my people go, and maybe a king out of Xerxes of Persia heard the tale and said, sure, fine, go. Wait, do you want some money? Here's some money, go. And the people of Israel are allowed to leave. And Ezra is also the second Moses because he reclaims the faith. The people of Israel had been in exile for years, centuries even, and they had lost the practice of faith. I love the book of Ezra because I feel that the work of shepherds, this church, is to see a rebuilding of God's work in Lakeland and beyond. I met with a lot of pastors this week. The bishop told us all to come to Lakeland and we said, okay, that sounds great, bishop, you're in charge. And we had a great time together. And I love bragging on you people. If you've ever met any of my clergy friends, if they hear that you're from my church, they go, oh, Michael won't shut up about you guys. And I go, amen, hallelujah, you're right, I won't. I'm so proud of you guys. But one of the things that always sticks out to people is I say, we just started a traditional worship service. And you get like a little, hmm, you started a traditional worship service? In fact, sometimes friends will be like, you mean you just ended it and you started a modern worship service? And I said, no, actually, we just started a traditional worship service. And one of the reasons why is not just that there's a need this morning, y'all, on a Thanksgiving break weekend, we had 22 people in worship, in traditional worship. I would clap about that. I'm very grateful for that. There's a need for it, but also because we know that the modern practice of our faith is good, but so is the ancient practice of our faith. When we look back at the way things were practiced, we see things that we can take and be changed by. Ezra did the same thing. And so when I look at the story of Ezra, I see a reflection of shepherds. You see, because the the Christian church has kind of lost her role in the world around us, hasn't it? We've come to be known more for political things and how self-righteous we can be sometimes or how hostile we can be to the people that are on the margin. But instead, shepherds gets to be something a little bit different. We get to reclaim the place that we always should have been. As Jesus said, it's not the healthy that go to the doctor, but the sick. Y'all, I'm sick sometimes. I am in need of the great physician. Amen? And here we are all together gathering. And that's Ezra. So when Ezra sees the need for confidence in the people of Israel, he sees the need for a fast. You see, because when we remove what we want, then we can more clearly see what we need. Here's Ezra's context. Ezra is walking from Baghdad to Jerusalem. Now, that drive may have gotten a little bit easier in the more recent centuries, but if you've ever been to that part of the world, it's still hot, it's still dry, and there's not a lot of trees, right? So it's not necessarily an easy go. But when you were in the time of Ezra and you were trying to rebuild the temple, you were also walking with a whole lot of gold. And if you're in a deserted place and you've got a lot of gold, and I don't, I might just disallow you of that gold, right? It is a dangerous thing to be the people of Israel. On top of that, the people of Israel were not well-liked. They were not well-loved. No one liked seeing the people of Israel come by. They practiced a faith that ostracized them, that pushed them out, that made them 
other than everyone else around them. You see, if your faith does not result in tension, it may be worth wondering why. See, the people of Israel, they practiced their faith in such a way that there was tension with their neighbors. I think sometimes, I think sometimes Christians, we can practice our faith in such a way that we're just polite, that we're just normal every day, that we're, we don't want to bother anyone, but our faith should probably result in some tension. See, Ezra did not want to bring shame to his faith. He wanted to show his faith. So he didn't ask the king for soldiers or cavalry. Instead, he had the people fast. You see, when we remove what we want, then we can more clearly see what we need. So why did they fast? I think something important to see here is is that fasting is not some sort of extra powerful prayer. Fasting is not prayer pro or prayer plus, whatever, right? It's not the paid for subscription to the free and easy prayer that we can always do, right? It isn't, you know, our, our prayer with ads, you know, the with ad package of your streaming service. Fasting is not a way to get to the front of the line. But instead, fasting gives us a chance to practice our faith. God gives rewards for fasting because God is faithful. If you want a deeper faith, fast. I don't mean that if you fast, God is going to hand out a cookie. Sorry, if you're talking about fast, I shouldn't talk about cookies. He's not going to hand some sort of special token to you because you did your faith so good. But instead, as you practice the fast, you will find your faithfulness growing. Have you heard the old adage, don't pray for patience? Because God doesn't just like sprinkle extra patience on you that day, like, like extra salt on your, on your salad at lunch. But instead, in youth ministry, you'd say, if you pray for patience, God will give you a sixth grader and they'll be hyperactive, right? And then you get to have more patience, right? It's the same for faithfulness. If you want more faith, fast. Find yourself in a place where you've removed what's comfortable and all of a sudden you'll feel faith growing within you. People ask me sometimes, how long does it take you to write a sermon? I tell them about six and a half days. Because right after worship today, I'm gonna read the passage for next week and I'm going to have it stuck in my head like a song. And I'll roll it around in my head all day long. And then eventually I'll write down some notes, but it takes me about six and a half days. Uh, last week, I saw Ezra and I was like, who put that in the church calendar? It's me. And I thought, oh boy, I better learn who, what an Ezra is. So I did some research and all that. But the thing that I couldn't get out of my head this whole week when I'm thinking about fasting is this. Fasting might be our way to make room for God to work in our lives. And let me be clear, God is at work in our lives. If you want God to work in your life, God is going to work in your life. But I think sometimes fast is like, fasting is like clearing out the clutter of our lives. We look around in our lives and we see all these things that are holding us up, that are, that are taking up space in our life, and fasting just kind of helps to clear it away. Let me, let me give you some examples. Like, so cable news, right? If you watch cable news 24 hours a day, you're going to get a clear view of how the world is. And you're probably going to have high blood pressure, right? You're going to be anxious, but you're going to know exactly what the world is. If you watch Fox or CNN, MSNBC, NPR, any of those places, you're, you're going to know exactly how the world is. And you're going to feel like you have a lot of understanding. What if you took some of that away? 
I wonder if God would fill that space with understanding. What if you use food as a comfort item? You're uncomfortable and you reach for a cookie or a brownie or some fried chicken. You know, that's, that's a comfort for you. If you were to move some of that away, I wonder if God would fill that space with comfort. Maybe you use alcohol to bring about peace. And if you were to move some of that away, I wonder if God would fill that space with peace. What if you use social media for validation? You open up an app and you see all the people that have double tapped on your image or have reacted to your post. And all of a sudden you feel validated. You feel heard. You feel loved. I wonder if we move some of that out of the way, if God would fill that space. You know, because Ezra fasted to show the people of Israel that God was with them. Friends, I wonder what fasting could show you. I wonder what space God would fill. You know, because Ezra fasted to show the people of Israel that they could have confidence in God's protection. And what happened? They could have confidence in God's protection. God showed up. God filled that space. And now I always have to say something. Whenever I talk about fasting, I always need to bring this up. You know, we live in a culture that is image obsessed. I mean, we've got teenagers that think that their bodies don't look perfect and so they need to change it. Uh, Eating disorders are on the rise amongst young women and young men. And so whenever I talk about fasting, whenever I talk about withholding food, I need to be clear, God is not honored by starvation. And eating disorders are something that God will work with in your life to heal your life from. And you know who also helps? Therapists. Physicians can help as well. And so whenever I say, you know, fasting, I always need to add that. Because when the fast takes your mind off of God, it's lost its reason, its purpose. God thinks your body looks amazing because God made it. I just, you know, that's my little commercial. You see, because when we remove what we want, then we can more clearly see what we need. So what could it look like? What would it look like if our church fasted for our neighborhood? And maybe not food. What if we fasted social media? What if we fasted from television? What if we fasted from being right all the time? What if we fasted from having the last word? What if we fasted from chocolate? Sure. What if we fasted from these things? I wonder how God could fill that space. And what happened with Ezra? I'll save you the time of reading Ezra and Nehemiah. They made it. They rebuilt Jerusalem. And they did it through God's grace. They were able to have confidence in God's grace because they removed what was comfortable and they saw more clearly what they needed. And you know, friends, this church is going to make it. Not to fast forward past the good old days into the new days, but this church is going to make it. And we know why. It's not going to be because of me. It's not going to be because of you. It's going to be because of all of us and the Holy Spirit working throughout. And so when we work on our spiritual disciplines, fasting has to be a part of it. Fasting is a powerful tool. We often leave unused. Let's pick it up and get to work because when we remove what we want, then we can more clearly see what we need. Let's pray together. 
All right, friends, I hope you heard something in today's message that made an impact in your life, helped you know that you're loved by God, and inspired you to do something about the gospel that is offered to you. Now receive this blessing as you go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.